You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us here on the Decoding Success Podcast. First and foremost, everyone, welcome to the show. If you are a new listener, your first time tuning into Decoding Success, we are really excited to have you. And if you are a returning member of our Decoding Success faithful community, we are also equally excited to have you, especially for this episode right here. As I'm sure you've seen over the past few weeks, we've been pumping out a ton of content, new content, new content categories, things of that nature, bringing you new insights, wisdom, experiences, and even bringing you opportunities such as getting a free trip to Europe on an amazing cruise in France, Italy, and Spain. If you don't know about that, make sure you're checking out the last episode we published. But today we are joined by an individual that was a monumental and still is a monumental part of my life. In fact, I am really grateful for the opportunity to have been able to share five plus days per week next to this individual. When I say next to I mean literally right next to this individual. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to this monumental figure in my life. His name is Keith Perrin, who is an accomplished, well-known entrepreneur who successfully introduced FUBU The Collection, a game-changing apparel brand that currently reports over $6 in retail sales to date. And you want to know what? That $6 is probably closer to 7 or 8 at this point. Keith served as VP and Director of Marketing, and he was the point person who placed FUBU in dozens of music videos, photo shoots, concerts, TV appearances, and movies. Honestly, this man's Rolodex is ridiculous to say the least, and his relationships with music artists and dozens of celebrities is on a first-name, private-access basis that has been the mainstay of FUBU's strategy for years to come. Even up until this date, they're doing amazing, amazing things. On top of that, Keith is a speaker. He absolutely crushes the speaking game. You can find wax museums where he has figures with his partners such as Damon John, Jay Alexander, Carl and more. It's really incredible what they've been able to accomplish and what they're still accomplishing to this date. And on top of that, Keith never stopped there. In fact, in December of 2015, he launched FUBU Radio and has been scaling it ever since. Actually, to this point, we're going to dive into what he got going on with FUBU Radio, and I don't want to spoil it, but I'm really excited to bring you this episode right here because we're diving into what it takes to build a $6 billion in sales brand, what it was like getting in the trenches and building this from the ground up when you're competing or not necessarily competing but going against the likes of the Tommy Hilfiger's and the Polo Ralph Lauren's and the list goes on there's really really deep insights here into the backstory of what it really takes and I'm really excited to bring you this episode and we wouldn't be able to bring you this episode without our partners over at Acadium now you're going to hear in this episode what it's like to have a team and have individuals around you that support the same vision and that are helping you grow your business, your brand, etc. So if you don't necessarily have a team and maybe you need a team and you want a team but you can't afford it, right? And you're not looking to partner up with anyone because you can't find anyone that has the same vision. Well, that's exactly where Acadium is going to come in for you. If you are looking to have some remote interns help you out in regards to your marketing, whether that be graphic design, web design, or anything along those lines such as social media, whatever the case is, Acadium is the place to find that. Your 
you're able to hire a remote intern to hop into your business for 90 days at less than $200 a pop, and I hate disclosing the price, I want you to go check it out yourself, you're able to find the link to Acadium in the show notes of this episode, making it super simple for you. You're able to check it out while you listen to the episode, and without giving away any more, let's dive into this with my boy, Keith Perrin. Keys, first and foremost, man, I want to wish you a happy birthday. Happy 5-0. I know you're doing this on your birthday. No, I'm not 50 yet, sir. I'm sorry. Not the big 5-0 yet. What what is it then? It's 49. 49. Why did I think 50? I don't know. You're jumping the gun, baby. You're jumping the gun. (laughs) I'm I'm jumping the gun a little. All right. No doubt. No doubt. But happy birthday, man. Really grateful for you taking the time out of your, you know, your, your day to be here with us. So I definitely want to express my gratitude for you, ma'am. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. So Keys, first question for you straight off the bat. This is always how we kick off this show is how do you personally, now again, personally, not the Merriam Webster dictionary. How do you personally define success? Uh, how I define success is being able to provide for your family. You know what I'm saying? Being, um, you know, being successful at, at your goals. You know what I mean? Like a lot of a lot of times people um, characterize success by how much money they got. And, you know, it's like that old biggie song, the more money you got, the more problems you got. And that's so certainly true. A lot of times you gain a lot of money. People tend to look at you like, you know, you're changing or, you know, it just creates a lot of friction within the relationship. So, um, like just being able to provide for my family and, and knowing that I'm, um, you know, I go home and, and, you know, I have somewhere to go every night and, you know, have somewhere to get up every day and, and work towards my goals. That's kind of like how I find success. And, um, just touch on one other thing. Um, you know, it's been 27 years since I started. You know, and first, uh, the first 10 years of that was the epitome of success as far as, you know, achieving the goals that we wanted to achieve and, and create the business that we started off to create. Um, so now I'm, I'm kind of like in that second half of my life. So I'm really like just enjoying more of my, you know, time with my family and, and my friends and stuff like that now. And, and just working on these new ventures and, and trying to make them grow. I love that. So, you know, to that point you just made, right? You said you're in the second half of your life now. I have to ask you, Keith Perrin in high school, you know, is he defining success the same way you just defined it as being able to take care of your family, being able to have a place to go at night, being able to have a place to go when you wake up? Is he defining it the same way? Or if not, what was the definition of success back then? You know, when I was in high school, um, I, I got into a very bad um, car accident and, and almost died. And I was like 17 at that time. And what happened with that was it kind of woke me up and, and made me realize, like, hey, you really got to get your stuff together because, you know, what are you going to do with your life? Um, and I think at that point, I started really trying to figure out how I can be successful, how I can get a great job, or how can I create a business or something like that where I can no longer be in a situation that I'm in as far as struggling and coming up, you know, pretty much, you know, under under the middle class. I wouldn't say poor, but, you know, I'm basically poor. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have a lot. But um, uh, I really got myself together at an early age. So I always had those uh, those visions of, you know, buying a mother house and all that stuff. So I used to say that when I was uh when I was like five years old, like, I'm going to buy you a house, mom, and I'm going to get you a really big house. 
And and she um and when I got into that accident at 17 years old, she said to me, she said to me, she said, you know, you're out here in the street, you're doing everything that you shouldn't be doing. You're a very bright kid. Like, why don't you just wise up and listen to me? I'm not wrong all the time, and you're not going to be able to get me a house going down this path. So, and for some reason, being that I said it so much since I was five, that really resonated with me because I was like, wow, like. I really got to get my stuff together. You know what I'm saying? So what I did was um, I wound up getting this property manager job. It actually first started at HUD, then moving over to the to the um, private sector and working my way up within a year and a half to become property manager of a 200-unit complex in Harlem and, and you know, in charge of a, a $6 million budget at 20 years old. So that was kind of like my path and, and how I felt like I was going to get to that goal for my mother. Now, when Google came along, which when I was like 21, 2021 20, is around the same time actually, um, I started working on that with Damon and the guys and, and we actually saw something in that that we felt would be, you know, if at all possible, we would have a clothing store and be able to start our own clothing store. Um, but it wound up being much bigger than that. So to that point, you know, and I appreciate you sharing that to that point, you know, you were saying that you were trying to or you had the idea of buying your, you know, your mom and your family members cribs at five years old. Like that's that's young, man. That's young. So when you look back at that, what was the the goal of being able to achieve that? Did you have that plan in place? Because I, I know from speaking you know, with you in, in, in past conversations, and you just mentioned it right now, you were kind of, um, kind of climbing that corporate ladder in, in property management. You know, back mm-hmm. then, you, you weren't necessarily saying to yourself, you know, I'm going to create with my friends that I grew up with a $6 billion plus brand globally, right? So what was it? And that was kind of like my side gig, you know, Google started off as a side gig. And um, I, I remember the day they was like, hey, we all need to quit our jobs. And, and it was focused on this 100%. And I'm looking, I'm like, he's crazy because we've been working for like four years so far. We haven't received a job. But on the business side of it, looking, you know, taking myself out of the equation, looking at it from a business sense, I know that every time we go out, we're selling all the stuff that we have. Everybody's wearing it. Um, being big featured in videos and TV shows and things of that nature. And I'm like, wow. So, you know, this may be attainable. This really may be attainable. So when I did finally quit my job, um, actually I got fired so I could get unemployment because I, I still wasn't believing in Damon that, that much. You know, <laughs> I, I, needed, I still needed a little money, you know, but that next year it wound up taking off and, and, and we had on the back fence. So let me ask you, what was it that sparked the change where? The, I, yeah, let me get back to that question. I'm sorry. Um, so what sparked the change was when I got, um, when we finally got the first deal and we moved into the Empire State Building, you know, I had to move, of course, we all had to move from where we were staying at because of security reasons. Um, but when I first had that thought of moving out, I wound up getting like just living in this house for a while. I rented the house actually and the first thing I thought about was my mother at that time because I was, you know, I got my first big check. I was like, wow, you know, I can spend twenty, thirty, forty thousand and the balance doesn't really look like that. So I was like, you know what? Now's the time to get my mother that house that she that I told I was gonna get her. And I went out, before I even bought my own self a house, I bought her a house, set her house, made sure she was straight. 
and then you know then after that a few years later then I wanted to get in my own house but you know it was that defining moment when I got that check and I was like okay now I have money like I remember I used to have the most two three thousand dollars in my account at any given time in my whole life to you know million dollars million dollars in my account at one time you know first check so it was like you know this is the moment that that I'm waiting for yeah now you know you mentioned earlier that Damon asked you to quit your job. He asked all of you guys to quit your job and double down on FUBU. And you said that you, you know, that that was your side hustle. And then you said that, you you know, you got fired on purpose kind of just to be able to collect that unemployment check. So mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like you were like, not necessarily fully invested, but fully trusting the idea. So what caused you to actually start trusting in it? Was, was it when you got your first deal with FUBU, like to, to move you into Empire State? Like, what was that? No, you gotta. You have to realize it's like you know your friend is telling you, "Hey, you know we need to work at this. We need to work at this." And you guys are working, but there's nothing financially coming out of it. So you can't. You know, us growing up in the hood, like you know, most of us grew up with single parents. Well, two of us grew up with single parents. I know Carl and Jay had their families with them, but for the most part, you know, to get to that level, and um. So what I was saying was, so Damon um, saw that we were, you know, kind of um, halfway in, halfway out, you know, still trying to work at this, but work at other jobs and create a, a financial situation for ourselves. So he knew that he was kind of losing us. So what he did, <laughs> which I always, I always tease him about, is like he kind of put the hook in our mouth with giving us the. Um, the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and he said hey guys this is a great book read this book and when I read the book I was like wow this is a great book but one thing that really stood out to me was that um, there was a, a, a phrase in there that said you never know how close you come to success because you often quit and fail and it was just basically detailing how you have to look at the you know, all the details of your situation and see whether or not they're moving forward, how they're moving forward, um, where were you at a year ago, you know, where you expect to be, you know, next year. And it kind of made you think about everything around you and how things are going. So I never looked at it that, you know, because we were young, we were like 19, 20 years old. So I never looked at it like that until I read that book and I was like, wow, you really have to keep working towards your goals and realize when it's, it's, gonna happen for you and try to realize when it's not gonna happen for you so you can pick and switch. Most people get caught up in that gray area and it's not working but they don't stop. So it really doesn't go anywhere because they keep thinking it's gonna go, you know, and be that big thing and it's not and they need to know how to win to pivot to the next thing and start the next and um, I just knew we had something I knew we had something and and, and you know, I just invested in hundred percent after after reading that book. So, you know, you talk about that gray area. I got to ask this. You seem, or or FUBU, I should say, seemed to be in a gray area for about four years, you were mentioning, right? Four years as you were all kind of considering it as your side hustle, where you would go out, you would sell all your product, but it wouldn't necessarily financially support the four of you, correct? So my question to you is, how long or how do you evaluate how long you stay in that gray area? You know, it's one thing to understand that, you have a product that people want, but 
maybe it's not something, maybe it's a hobby, right? So I'm, I, I guess there, how do you distinguish that? Well, that's the whole thing. You have to like really read and understand um, business because if you don't realize that you're going into, you know, the third, fourth, fifth, six years and you're not, this thing is really not working out for you, but you believe in so much if you haven't surrounded yourself with the right people within that period of time to try to get it to the next level, then it's time to just sit back and reevaluate it. You know what I'm saying? Because I think every year you should sit down and reevaluate whatever you're doing business-wise so that you can stay off, even when you create goals, because when you create those goals, you're able to look back on the, on the goals that you haven't completed, and it's like, okay, well, I've completed these, these three, four, three or four goals, you know, with these six or seven goals right here, I really need to complete to even evaluate the, the the situation in a proper way. You know what I'm saying? And I think sometimes people just, you know, they get to a certain point where they're like, they've done some things, but they haven't done them all, but then they want all the, the, the glory and, and the success, but you haven't put in all the work. And, and, you know, and at the end of the day, all my bosses that I've ever had used to always say, you got to put in the work. So I've always had this mentality of I'm going to do what others don't so I can live tomorrow like others can't. You know what I'm saying? That's another one of my, my favorite things because it's like people look at me right now, right? I, I, I'm building Fubo Radio from the ground up. So I don't really have a lot of people in the office because this is actually a shared office. So we have part of it, as you know, and um, other people working here. So, I don't have a lot of people running around doing a lot of things and I tend to like want to control everything. <laughs> it's not like that I, I want to do that on purpose. I want to do that because when people come and tell me they're going to work, whether they're paid or they just say, oh, I want to do it for free, they just never seem to take it as, as, as serious as I do. So I don't want you to come one week and then don't come the next week and then come three weeks later and then you know, then I'm about to get somebody else to shoot and then this person's giving me a different look than you'll give me. So I'd rather just take my camera, set everything up, invest in the equipment. And that's another thing. People don't like to invest in themselves. They want everybody to else to invest in them, but they don't like to invest in themselves. And you're not going to elevate if you don't invest in yourself, you know. Um, I could have sat back and said, hey, I don't have anybody to shoot this. I don't know about this camera. Um, you know, I don't have any lights. I don't have this. I don't have that. Instead, I went out and said, let me get what I need to create this vision for us, and I'll just do it myself. It's not hard. You know, it's about setting up the camera, pressing the button, and making sure that the, the vision is clear, you know? So, um, so you know, some people, they tease me a lot, and, and but at the end of the day, I, I feel like all the work that I'm putting in and all the work that I'm doing for it is really paying off. Like, we just got picked up, or will be picked up, Conversation was had yesterday by um, Intercom, you know, they own Radio.com and Disney and CBS and all that stuff. So now I'm building another platform. So my thing is just like keep building it and keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, you know, Keith, you, you talk about 
investing in yourself. You talk about, you know, putting in the work today so you could live a life like no one else tomorrow, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone listening to this right now has an idea, and, and you kind of touched on this already, but I want to try and go a little bit deeper on that topic. If someone listening to this right now has an idea in their mind, what do you do to suggest to validate that idea? Because at the end of the day, a lot of us have ideas, but not that many people act on them because maybe they don't know if it's worth acting on. So what do you suggest they do? Is it invest to the point where you can prove the concept or? Do your homework. You know, people usually miss that step. They usually miss the homework step. Like, sit down, read, figure out what you're doing, try to understand the market that you're getting into, who's in that market, who's your competition, you know, what do you need to get to a level of, of you know, maybe where they're at or even, you know, half of where they're at because you're not going to be able to meet those big guys that, that fast. But, you know, just understand what you're getting into and really, and really, really like, you know, just, like, I, I talk to so many people who have so many ideas and they ask me questions and I'm like, this is a question you could have found out on your own, you know, or I ask them, they ask me a question and I kind of reverse it. I say, like, what do you think about so and so and so and so? And I'm like, well, what have you done about it? What, what, what are your steps in trying to get, get it off the ground? And when they start talking, I know from right away <laughs> that they didn't do their homework. They're not doing their homework. They're not, they don't even know half the stuff that they should know at that point. So I, I would suggest like really start doing your homework and, and starting there. And then once you, once you get into a point, you know, the millennials really are really showing us a, a new way on how to do things. These guys can record their own video. They get these YouTube channels up. They got a hundred million, uh, million views on it. And like, look at people like that. Like if you, if you, if you're getting into the whole the YouTube business or, you know, the, the YouTube channel, look at successful people who do it. Look at how they do it, you know, you know, and then understand and read up on it and read up on how, like, I'll give you a perfect example, social media. Everyone thinks they know how to do social media. You know, they take a couple of pictures, they put a couple of selfies on it, and they, they feel like, you know, they got what they need to do for the day. But at the end of the day, how do you make social media work for you? How, you know, how do you get it to monetize and, and put money in your pocket? That's a whole other level of social media that most people don't have any idea on. But you have yet uh, all these people trying to show and, and sell things off of uh, social media and don't know how to get it. Prime example, I did a situation with somebody. They had a, 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 almost a million followers, you know? They sold like 10 products. And I was like, what the hell? Like, the conversion rate for them is they're not there to buy products from you. You know what I'm saying? They're there to, to look at you or, or see what you're doing or to be in your business. They're not there to support you. So it's all about finding and following the right people and having those, those right people follow you and engaging in, in, in social media. Um, I know you know pretty much about it and how to do it and go about it. You've been doing a great job. I've been watching you for the last few years. But, you know, when you came in and I saw you, you had this idea of what you wanted to do, and you've been doing that and putting it in place ever since. Most people don't do that. They either start, stop, pivot, start, stop, pivot again. You know what I'm saying? Like when you when you're onto something, you either got to know you're on, you're doing something right, or you're not doing something right. But some people are so 
you know, they, they, they double question themselves or, or overthink it and, and they want to stall it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been very fortunate enough where I've been able to study individuals like you, individuals like Damon, other people in the office and things of that nature, too. So I'm grateful for that. But I definitely agree with you. It definitely comes down to being able to, you know, do your homework, being able to to study and things of that nature to get those answers. So when you, you know, come to the table with someone like yourself, you're able to provide the information, things of that nature. So I appreciate you sharing that. But to trans transition back to FUBU, right? Let's go to FUBU early days. You, Carl, J, D, and the floating fifth man of FUBU, right? What was it really like? I mean, you you didn't land a Macy's deal right out of the gate. So uh, aside from those first four years of you guys treating it as your side hustle, when you guys fully committed to it, what what were those days really like? Well, um, once we we fully committed to it, um, it wound up just really take it off. And when in the beginning years, so those four years, unbeknownst to us, was us planting seeds. You know, we're out there, we're putting all this work in, we know it's going somewhere, we don't really have a gauge on it because we're not doing analytics at that time, so we don't have anything to look at. We just know people are wearing it, and we're seeing more and more people wanting it and coming by and, and, and being seen in it. But once we got to the point where we got our deal, you know, our deal was very simple. You know, you guys got to make $5 million in the first few years or we either got to pay us back $5 million or you got to, uh, you got to, uh, you know, give up the name. So, obviously, we were like, okay, we worked too hard to give up the name and get quit now. So, let's just, just go full, you know, full steam. But the Samsung had the, the um, business to go full speed, you know, they allowed us to go, you know, full speed ahead. So once we did that, you know, the first season we sold like five million that first season. You know, and we just walked in the door one year, sat down, I mean that year, sat down, did the deal, a couple months later, six six, eight months later, boom, knocked that out of the park. And the next thing you know, we were we were off and running and, and that season we we did five million and then the next season we did twenty million and we just didn't look back by you know, after that we never looked back. So you had a lot of a lot of those years was like a blur because everything happened so fast. I mean, we were on every network, you know, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC and you know, just all these all these different channels. And back then we didn't have any social media, so we did a lot of magazine, you know, interviews, which got us out there to, at that time, magazines are really popular. They got us out to, you know, millions and millions of people. But um, those early days, man, were, they were a lot of fun. You know, it was a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of learning because you're just getting into a fashion industry that you really are not a fashion designer. You just have all these ideas in your head how you want to put things together. So you're not really taken serious as a fashion designer by the fashion industry because they think you're just a, a you know, just a wave coming through and yeah, the kids are going to be off that and then we're going to get back to selling this couture stuff. And so kudos to Carl and I, kudos to uh, Cross Colors because, you know, they allowed us to come in and create this industry you know, made it known as the, the urban industry, you know, and, and, you know, now it's been around for almost 30 years, a little over 30 years. 
So uh, that, that, you know, you kind of beat me to my next question. I was going to ask you, you know, being a uh, uh, men of color on top of it all, you're penetrating an, an industry that isn't typically used to that, right? You had the, t- you were going up against, I'm, I'm not going up against, but you're entering a space that had Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren, things of that nature. So how did you guys personally deal with the turbulence or the, the challenge on that front that you were facing? Well, we were just lucky to have to be in that position, actually. So we just had a work ethic like no other. Like a lot of the things that you guys saw us do, whether it was commercials, whether it was uh, you know old photo shoots or the advertisements and, and things of that nature. You know, we didn't have an advertising company. We didn't have a marketing company. That was all you know in the office, sitting around chopping it up, creating and, and coming up with these ideas, and then working with these ideas to bring them to fruition. So, you know, a lot of that stuff was us. So, you know, whatever we wanted to do, we had the authority to do. A lot of companies don't have that. They have to, you know, answer to certain people or, you know, other people control the, the, the narrative. And, and we had full autonomy of what we were doing. And, and it showed and it worked. And, you know, we were, we were at the places we needed to be. We were, you know, working on programs that started the community. Um, you know, just, just put back into the community community because that was one of the big things that we, we, you know, was kind of like our mission because when we first started, a lot of people, well, not going to say a lot of people, but a lot of companies come in and they take money from the urban communities and, you know, suck out 20, 30, 40, 50 miles, you know, whether they do sneakers, clothes, whatever it is, you know, electronics, but, you know, they come in and they don't really do anything for the community. So when you have somebody like us who's, who's coming up and we're watching this, it's like, you know, we make money for, you know, we're going to be successful and we're going to come back and we're going to put this back into our community. So it, it felt good doing turkey drives and, and, you know, with City Harvest. And it felt good, you know, building this, the basketball courts up with the New York Knicks. And, and it just felt good doing those things and, and putting back into the community. And I think how it resonated with a lot of um, a lot of the people and our consumers was, okay, these guys are, 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 are like the real deal. Like they're here, they're in our neighborhood. We can see them, we can touch them. All these fashion designers, I didn't even know, I, I didn't even know what they looked like until I got into the fashion industry. You know, even though I wore their clothes, I just had no idea they care how they looked and you know, with this and that like I just knew, hey, I like Tommy Prime or, you know, I knew who Tommy Phil Tommy Hilton was, obviously, but uh, for the most part, you know, I never saw Calvin Klein, I never knew who he was, I didn't know how he looked, so I got to the fashion industry. Because, you know, I really didn't care. But uh but those years, man, it was it, it, like I said, a lot of it was a blur here, but it was it was some of the greatest years of my life. Like I always tell people like if I was to die tomorrow, you know, I have lived a very successful life. I am proud of what I've done. I've left a legacy. I've been history books. I'm in museums. I'm in wax museums. I'm in the Smithsonian. I'm in, you know, it's just amazing. I, I like teachers and college professors teaching courses on Google. And it just makes me so proud. So I, at the end of the day, man, like I, I've achieved a lot with, with, with my guys. But, you know, right now, like with Google Radio, this is kind of like my personal baby. Like I, I started with, with another partner of mine and, and, you know, to watch this grow and not it be the whole typical FUBU guys. Like I was known as, as the FUBU guy for about 20 years. People didn't even know my name sometimes, but uh, 
you know, now with you know, radio, you know, I want to kind of separate, even though it's the same brand, I want to be able to separate, be successful on my own and build something on my own. You know, my guys are still there. They, they're, they're very supportive. But, you know, just to, just for them to see me working on this every day, doing what I do and, and achieving this goal that I'm set for myself is, you know, it's good for them to see that for me and, and, and they wish me well and everything. So, you know, I'm going to just keep striving, man. And this, this 2020 is going to be a great year. We got to do this again in 2020. I love that. I love that. So let me ask you, when you, you know, you're, you're, Still in the early stages of Fubu Radio, you've had great success with iHeart, and you just mentioned the New Deal that you just were in the you know in the talks of uh, locking down yesterday and things of that nature. So, what do you feel like is applicable from the early stage of Fubu clothing line to um, Fubu Radio? Like, do you see any similarities or something that you've experienced that you've been able to apply to kind of help you miss that road bump or that roadblock or, or something of that nature? Of course, of course. Um, I'm definitely taking it kind of the same route that we took Fubu in, you know, in the beginning because in the beginning, you know, that whole book that David wrote, The Power of Broke, is really how, you know, we really started it. We didn't have a lot of money and we, we figured things out. With this one, it's like, I feel like a lot of times when you have a bunch of money and, and you have a big budget and you come in and, hey, I need $150,000 for this and, you know, I need a budget for this and I need a budget for that. You tend to go out and buy all these things and get all these things you don't necessarily need or on a level you don't necessarily need. Like, you know, there's no reason for you to go out in the beginning of your your, your business to go get the top-level PR person that you're paying $10,000 a month to because this person is connected. And when you can get that same amount of money of pressure for somebody for about $3,000 a month, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it's... Just when you have more, you just want to do more, and you, you know, you, you, you're not really conscious of, of how much money you're spending because you just, you know, you have it and you're doing it. But when you kind of use that power to grow, uh, theory, it's like, okay, yeah, I can go pay somebody $500 every time they come to video report me, or I can buy a camera for $500 and set it up myself and record myself, or you know, I can go get this marketing person who's going to charge me a thousand dollars a month to help me out. And, you know, where this person is charging me five or ten thousand dollars a month. You know, it's just different levels of, of doing it. Now once you become successful, you start to get up there. Yeah, at that time then you appreciate, you know, your level of professionalism with with the people or, or you know, the people who are more, you know, in the know, you know, and at that point, you know, but at that point you should be making that, that money and and, and able to pay them what they, you know, what they're asking for to get you to that next level. You know, it's all about levels, man. Like, you can't start at the top. You got to start at the bottom. So I feel with the radio, it's like, I see a lot of the similarities because I, I started it from, from nothing, you know, small board, you know, two mics, you know, uh, one pair of headphones. And uh, literally kind of just kept going and kept going. I have about 10 shows on, on air right now. Um like I said, we we reaching about almost half a million people a month um, over all our channels, and and some channels I haven't even calculated, so I I don't want to put those numbers out there. But the number that I can account for is about five thousand, and um and I'm just enjoying just seeing the, the growth, you know. And I was kind of the same thing with Google was like we're working, you know, we're not working for nothing because we're seeing the growth of it, you know. But when is it gonna be, you know? 
prosperous for us. You know, when it's about to start paying off. And now I'm in that I'm in that, that stage right now. Like I put in the work, I'm still working, I still have more work to do. But when is it gonna kinda even out and start paying off? You know, so I think I'm getting there, man. I think twenty twenty is the year, so I'm looking to it. Yeah, man. Listen, I, I mean, I see it firsthand. You're most definitely getting there. And I think, you know, the, the past experiences that you've been able to accumulate over the 27 plus years, as you mentioned, has definitely been a catalyst to, you know, you being able to take this off in X amount of years. So FUBU Radio, I, I see it trending in the right direction. In fact, you got my guy, Just, who went to uh, my high school. He's a few years older than me, but I see you rocking with him too. So, you know, you got the talent in there and everything, man. I see you doing, you know, doing big things, but I have to ask you, and I want to get, you know, more personal Keith Perrin in just a little bit, but one last question on, on the total FUBU picture. If you were to identify three elements or three factors in the accumulation of you know, over the X amount of years you guys have been in business. Now, when you look at 6 billion plus in global sales, what do you feel like has been those three most important things that have been able to contribute to that? Has it, you know, I don't know, maybe just been the dedication or, or you know, the, the love for it. So I'm curious. God, man, that's, that's a tough one because it's like, I, I think first and foremost is brand identity. I think we put in so much work to create a brand that now um, world renowned actually, you know, because there are places in, in, in countries and continents that I can name that we're, you know, we're in right now, you know, we just signed a, a European deal um, in Germany and, you know, they're going to cover the whole, the whole Europe and um, we just signed a South Africa deal and they got like four countries over there, so or confidence over there, so it's like it's it's so much that that's going on right now to uh, to really bring the brand back into the spotlight, you know. Um, but I think brand identity is first. It's just like we we put in the work to create the brand. So even you know after a Kenya hiatus in in, in USA, uh, even overseas they they continue to sell it. You know we we weren't selling here, so. That's a testament to the brand because it still has legs, even though the main, the body of the company was not operating at that time. Um, another thing I look at is, um, I think people really um, identify with us too, because I think it, it became more than just just a clothing line. It started becoming a movement and. And, and it wasn't moving in the sense of uh, just seeing, you know, four young guys just dedicated to their craft and, you know, just really doing and making the right moves. You know, you didn't really see us getting into any trouble or getting locked up or in the news. And, you know, you didn't really hear that. Now, do we have a lot of crazy stories? Yes, we do. And that'll be out in the documentary coming soon. But um, that, to me... Was, a, was another big factor, and um, the third factor. I don't know where all the line comes from, you know. But I think it was just you know a, a love for the brand. I, I guess um, you know. I, I guess it was like a love for the brand. You know, we we did it, and, and people just connected with us, man. Like. You know, and, and like I said, we made the right decisions. And, and those are some of the factors that I can contribute to us being really successful. 
Um, yeah. And then, and then you know, and then let's not forget, you know, David has scored, you know, his, his uh, deal with, with um, ABC and he, he's on Shark Tank and he's able to keep the name out there, you know, give us a whole new audience. The kids are growing up now, you know, the, the guys that we dress, their kids are now 20, 25 years old. Um, and they're now wearing Fubu. They, you know, they're going to their parents' cousins and uncles' closets and, you know, taking it out of there like, hey, oh, you're not wearing this anymore, man. Let me get this jersey. So, you know, they're bringing it back in a way where I never even thought that he would even still be around to touch the next generation. You know what I'm saying? But to see the next generation embrace it, and we haven't really even really got started yet. We're, we're still internally working out some things, but when we push this button and on the throttle, full throttle in 2020, I'm very excited to see how it's received at that point and what they think. Yeah, man. Listen, I'm excited for you guys, man. I, I think that's awesome. Now, earlier you brought up legacy and you know you, you touched on the fact that you have you're, you're in wax museums, which I think is dope. You're in history books. Like you've clearly created history with all you've done thus far. But I have to ask you if you were only able to be remembered for one thing, if Keith Perrin, you know, in a hundred years from now, if they can only think one thing when they hear Keith Perrin, what would you want that to be? That I was a stand up dude. I had a great character about myself. You know, I always treated people, whether you have $5 in the bank or $5 million, $5 million in the bank, I've always treated people the same way I want to be treated and, and expected. Um, I think I got a, a good report with a lot of people because I've always been a stand up guy. Um, I've never let the I've never let the fame and the success kind of go to my head because they kind of knew who I was before I got here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love that, that, that place from JD. It's like, you know, a lot of people don't know who they are before they get there. And once they get to that point and then the light shines on them, then all the, the BS that they have within them is magnified. And it just turns into that person who they always was. You just didn't see it because the light was not on and shining at that point. But um, just just being a real humble dude, man. Like you know, I I I get a lot of love just from being that that person, you know. Um, and and you know, I, I just never changed. I've changed a few things. I've I've definitely grown, you know. I've grown up a lot, but I've I've um I've never really changed. Most people who know me in high school. And you're like, bro, you still look the same, still the same dude, still talk the same, walk the same. Like, you're still, you know, that cool guy that was that was cool when he was coming up. And, um, and you know, I, I get a lot of love from that. I go a lot of places like, by myself. I don't really have security and all that. So, you know, not that I don't need it, but I, it just doesn't, I don't warrant it. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just flying under the radar. And, and, and it's a good feeling now because, when you're so busy and you're working so much, you know, a lot of people lose their first, they lose their first family to this business, man. Like your first wife, you know, maybe a second, depending on how quickly you get married. But, you know, you, you tend to lose your, your, your shirt and everything, you know what I'm saying? Because you're trying to grow a business and that's your 100% goal. And sometimes people put their business in front of their family. It's like, I have to be successful. She either will be here or she will not. I don't care. I just want to be successful, you know, and sometimes you really have to consider, you know, because you might have a great partner on your on your arm and not realizing because you're so focused in business, you can lose, you know, the glue that, that was keeping this all together. You understand? You understand what I'm saying? So it's, um, 
just realizing that, you know, you have somebody in your corner that's, that's, that's cool. And I, I tried not to, you know, I've been with my wife for 24 years now. Um, so she was, she was there when we first got our deal, right before we got our deal. So she wasn't there for the money. You know what I'm saying? So she, we, we just, so I know why, why she did. She did because she loves me. She was rocking with me when I was broke. So, you know, it's only right to just, you know, ride it out with her because I know she's, she's a hundred percent for me. And in today's world, especially with social media and all that, you can't really depend on all that anymore. You know, that it's, 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 it's about what you have and, you know, what's your baller status and all that other BS. So it's, um, you know, it's just, it's just good to see that, that, you you know these guys like I said when they come into business that and they and they lose all that stuff to their first wife, um, it's a hard business. So I'm glad I chose the right path and was able to balance it out and you know maintain a, a, a smooth smooth life so far. Yeah, for sure. Now you know you you also mentioned how long you've been doing this 27 plus years. You know you've experienced the life you've been doing interviews like this for all of that time, I have to ask you, what is a question that you wish more people would ask you and how would you answer that? Um, how you doing? You know, I don't get a how you doing. I just get like, I always see people about this and say, listen, if you want something from a person, ask them how they doing first. You know, I get a lot of people who, who, who you know, obviously they like, hey, you're doing better than me, you know, the screwed up situation, I need help. And a lot of times you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know if I'm, if I'm fucked up at that time. If I'm literally just stressed out. You're not, you're not asking me how I'm doing, you know? You're just, you're just wanting something from me. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, sometimes I don't really look at things like that to that magnitude. It's just, you know, I just live my life and, and I'm always focused on, on kind of like what I'm doing. Even like social media, I'm on social media, but I find out it can be a little distracting looking at everybody else's life all day. You know, um, and sometimes we get caught up in, I know people who sit on social media constantly for hours, just, you know, digging in their phones. I'm like, I, I just don't have the time to look at it. If, if I spend two hours looking at somebody else's life, that could have been two hours I can concentrate on building and doing something to, to make my business better. You know what I'm saying? So I always look at it like that. So I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of social media, but I'm I'm not like locked in like that. You know what I'm saying? I, I really care about building a brand and, and, you know, my social media is cool. And it's just, at some, po- at some point it becomes too much. Like I can't answer, you know, all these different Twitters, all these different the Instagrams and Facebooks and Snapchats and, and, and text messages and emails. And, you know, it just becomes a little bit too much after a while. I hear that, man. Listen, I want to respect your time, Keys. One last question for you now. I, I've walked with you on the streets before. Uh, people know you when you're walking on the streets. So if someone came up to you today when you walk out of your office to go grab lunch or go home, whatever you're doing, they ran up to you, they're like, Keith, 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 I need a piece of advice to be able to achieve my own definition of success. Well, what advice would you give them? Do the work. Do the work. You know, and, and that goes back to the homework and just the work itself. You know, put in the time. A lot of, you know, we came up at a time where, you know, back in the 90s, where if you had a great idea, you started something and you, you know, were working on it and, and you know, it was it somewhat was popping, but not really popping. 
and somebody had some money, they would be like, okay, I see you don't have the connections. I see we don't have the, the resources. Let me step in because I have the financial capital, the resources, and the connections to get in there and take this to the next level and build you up. As I do that, I'm going to want 45% of your company. Are you willing to give that up? Most people are to get to that next level. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, now, no one is doing that. It's too, it's too easy for you to really do it yourself. So if you're not doing it yourself and you go ask somebody for some help and they look at you like, okay, well, you know, actually the shark tank really opened a lot of, I opened a lot of people's eyes because at the end of the day, everybody wants people to invest in their company. But how many sales you have? You know, how much money have you invested in yourself? You know, what, what, what is the work that you're doing? You know, you were able to take it from where to where. Uh, okay, well, you know, when you start diving into their personal finances and figuring out what they have and, you know, see how kind of person they are. And the thing I like about Shark Tank is, you know, that old, that old feeling, you, you, you don't invest in companies, you invest in people. You know, that's, that's so true because the wrong partner can either put you out of business or just take you down a road that you really don't want to go down or you didn't plan on going down. And, um, and, and the right people can take you to where you want to be. You know, the right partner can take you to where you want to be. So just getting that right partner and figuring out the right deal is one of the hardest things to do. Um, but if you do the work and the research and, you know, don't be too thirsty, but don't know, don't pass up nothing that might be just sitting in the face where, you know, you can take that as a stepping stone. I, I, I give you a perfect example real quick before you go. Um, you know, tell somebody one day, I was like, hey, you know, we're doing high heart radio. You know, to come from from nothing to now being on one 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 of the biggest stations out there that have all these radio stations and, and, and doing really well and hundreds of millions of people listening. Um, that's big, and they're like, "Yeah, that's cool," but you know, is that where you want to be? And I'm like, "It's not where I want to be. It's just a platform and stepping stone for me to get to that next level, and I'm gonna use that." to get to the next level. So when I get to that level, I find that next person or, or that next company that takes me, you know, even higher. And, and while I do the work at the same time, but really just doing the work, man, and, and dedicating yourself to what, what it is and not letting anybody deter you. But understanding when it's time to either push the envelope or the phone. You know what I'm saying? And that's that, that area where, like I said earlier, most people get stuck at and, and you know, being able to evaluate that and see what what you know what is what it is and where you're going and and, and basically how you can uh, figure out to get to that next level with this public life. I love that, man. I, I oftentimes think that we have so many resources and things of that nature that we almost forget about the basics, like do the work, man. Like simple as that. Mm-hmm. Now, Keys, where can people keep up with you on social? Um, where, where could they listen to FUBU Radio, FUBU, the, the clothing line, all that good stuff? All right, well, you can download the food, the free FUBU Radio app um, on, on Apple, um, in the Apple Store, Google Play. You can listen to us and tune in and, and um, iHeart Radio. Um, you can listen to us on Facebook, from our Facebook page, uh, our official, uh, our radio, our Instagram is official FUBU Radio, um, not FUBU Radio. That's another thing. Somebody got me from a name really quick, but <laughs> but uh, we're official Fubu Radio. 
Um, you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Kizo, M-R-K-E-E-Y-Z-O. Um, and on all platforms, keep coming, Kizo, Mr. Kizo, um, you know, you'll find me. <laughs> I love it. Keys, I appreciate you, man. I want to wish you a happy birthday again. I really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge, your insights, your wisdom, all that good stuff with us. So thank you again. I appreciate you, man. I told you I was coming to, 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 to work with you, though. You doubted me, but I'm here, even on my birthday. You are here, yeah, man. You are that. here. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it from my guy Keith Perrin or known as Mr. Kizo on social media. So to that point, I want to make sure that you're connecting with Keith all across his social channels. You're able to find all of his links to the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the all that good stuff in the show notes of this episode. Listen, he would absolutely love to hear from you. Trust me, I promise you that. I'm very close with him. I know how much he loves connecting with individuals and helping them. So make sure you're reaching out to him. Let him know you heard him here on Decoding Success. I promise you he'll add value to your life in some way, shape, or form. So make sure you're doing that. Let him know. Like I said, you heard him here on Decoding Success. And as always, I want to dive into three points and, you know, as close as I am with Keith, I could go on for days with him. This conversation almost didn't end at the point that it did. So I want to talk about three points that really stood out to me here in this episode. Three points that, you know, were ringing bells in my mind. The first one, it comes down to studying individuals who came before you, right? There is a million and one people who have done things, a million and one people who have experienced things that are being experienced by you in the now. They have experienced them in the past. So this is why reading books is so important. This is why having mentors is so important. This is why being in proximity of individuals that have been there and done that is so important. And Keith gave us that reminder, right? It helps us not only avoid making mistakes, but it helps us take ginormous leaps without necessarily skipping steps, which are gonna eventually bring us backward. No, we're gonna be able to continuously propel forward because we are in proximity of the knowledge and the insights the experiences. So just like listening to this podcast, right? Keith has been and his team have been able to build a six billion plus brand, you know, six billion dollars plus brand in FUBU and even more than that, you know, so being able to hear his insights as to how they did it, how they, you know, dealt with the early struggles and the turbulence up until them moving into the Empire State Building and getting deals with Macy's and so on and so forth. That is absolutely huge. So make sure you're continuously diving in to new ways to get in proximity of these individuals individuals that have been there and done that in their life. Now, number two, know who's really riding with you versus who's not riding with you. Now, Keith brings this up when he was talking about his wife, right? He mentioned something along the lines of how his wife was there when he was broke versus now when he got bread, you know, and I think that's huge. And I'm not necessarily just relating it to women or to your significant other, whether that's a male or a female, but I'm saying in general, right? Whether that's your business partner, whether they're fully committed to the idea, because when you hit turbulent times, you're going to see the true side of people. And to make sure you don't have any sort of expectation around that, you need to make sure that you know who's really, really rocking with you. I think that's huge. And you want to know what? Listen, at the end of the day, it does relate to relationships as well. If you don't have it all and you see the true colors of someone, that person ain't for you. I promise you that. Now, the third point I want to bring up is learning how to bring value to people who you're asking something of. Meaning, if you know that someone could add value to you in some way, shape, or form by asking them a favor or by asking their opinion or by asking to be connected to someone, you need to make sure you're reciprocating that in some way, shape, or form. And oftentimes, I always say that it should be give, 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 and then ask, right? I think that's absolutely monumental. And I think that 
one thing that we un need to understand is that if we don't ask, we won't try, but there's a proper way to ask. So make sure that you're bringing value. You're bringing something to the table for the individual that you are asking something of. That is absolutely monumental. So again, those three points that Keith dropped that really resonated with me on a high level. And I would love to talk about these with you. So make sure you're hitting me up on social. You obviously know where to find me at this point. If you want, drop an email, whatever the case is, slide in the DMs. Let's talk about these. Number one, study the people who came before you that have done the things that you want to do in your life. Number two, know who is really rocking with you. Who is really riding with you, both from a personal and a professional standpoint. That is absolutely monumental and it's going to make sure, you know, well, making sure that you're not let down in any way, shape or form in that sense. And number three, learn how to bring value to the people you are asking things of. That is absolutely huge. So once more, Keith, appreciate you, brother. Thank you for hopping on here. Thank you for dropping all your insights, your knowledge, your wisdom. I could have talked to you for absolutely 10 plus more hours, dude. Like that's just the way we are, man. I, I really, really appreciate you hopping on here. And again, make sure you're connecting with Keith. You can find all of his social links in the show notes of this episode. Until next time, everyone. Everyone, be blessed. Peace.